0: Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirstie. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety
1: show for sarcastic people who love Outlander.
0: <laughs> That's right. It's part three of the Omnibus. Is it part three? Yeah, it's part three. It is. It is part three. We just talk about Outlander so much, it's hard to keep count. Right. And this week, we have a little segment we like to call Mark Me. Mark Me. Mark Me. So we're going to be talking about the things that stuck in our Outlander experience. And then we're going to be talking about something we've been teasing since the beginning of time.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And we're finally going to address our feelings about Outlander versus Game of Thrones.
1: Spoiler alert! <laughs> I literally just blanked on their names. <laughs> the Daves can suck it. The Daves. <laughs> I, I was like, the Mats, the Marks. I don't know. <laughs> this is why I made a second G and T.
0: Yes. This is why. Oh man. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> <laughs> that was really
1: good. Uh, mark
2: me.
0: Mark me. <laughs> 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 um, and just like casual disclaimer, if for some reason this is the first time you're listening to an outlander omnibus of ours. We talk about the whole thing, and so maybe that's spoilers, but I don't know.
1: It's definitely spoilers. If you care, care. go away.
0: Yeah. I mean, don't, but, you know.
1: like Just, like, back- proceed with
0: caution. Yeah. And don't blame us if you hear something you weren't ready to hear. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Because spoiler culture is so out of control that I can no longer judge appropriately what does and does not constitute a spoiler.
1: I would say of all the omnibus episodes we've done, this might be the spoileryest.
0: That's probably true. We're gonna get the most into like moments in plot and like details and stuff. So yeah, just like play it safe and don't get mad at us. Yeah. You can get mad at us for our opinions, just not for our spoilers.
1: Yeah. You can shout at us all you want at Hate Watch with us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. I imagine that we'll say some controversial things. Do you think it's possible? Yeah, that's fair. We've already said some controversial things about the Daves in the past, so I don't think that that behavior is stopping anytime soon. <laughs> Why don't you start us off with the things that stuck? That
1: is a loaded question. I will try my best to get us on that path. Okay. To Craig Nadune. To Craig A lot of things <laughs> stuck for me. I kind of thought of this topic as, like, things that I'm still thinking about and chewing on, like, weeks later. There's a few that come up later, but one of the first ones that I want to talk about is a friendship moment that I'm sure you have feelings about. Yes. When Jamie is taken by the Redcoats in season one and Claire and Murta search for him. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And there's been enough said about like how it's that episode is not perfect. <laughs> yeah. But that was one of the first moments that it kind of hit me in a couple places, like friendship side and romantical side, like the lengths at which they go to mm-hmm. to try and find him. And be reunited. So basically this trip that they take, it's Murtaugh's idea. He, like, finds Claire searching for Jamie and he's like, stop everything you're doing because it's bad. Yeah. You're you're bad at this. You're ruining everything. Right. And he decides that they should go do this, like, traveling (laughs) fortune
0: teller slash dancing
1: singing show? (laughs)
0: It's a little buck wild in a time without social media.
1: Yeah, but it's so smart, too, because, like, they can't just go around being like, where's Jamie? Because he's wanted. So they have to come up with this thing that he could ask about and, like, hear about and be like, oh, the Sassanac, like, okay.
0: Except that's how he got captured. Like, he got captured because of bad intel as he was trying to get to them. True. It is their fault a little bit that he ended up in Wentworth. Shh. <laughs> Fair, but. <laughs> not for lack of friendship, though.
1: It's not, yeah, it's not on them, I guess, in the long run, right? No,
0: no, it's not. It's not directly their fault.
1: Yeah, I just thought, like, so they basically do this thing and they travel through all of Scotland, in theory. At least all of, like, their region of Scotland. Uh huh. And they do this every day, and they go to different places, and, like, they do a good job of showing, like, how much time has passed and how much work it is yeah, to keep up this act, and neither of them ever want to stop doing it until they, like, find Jamie. And I think that was just a good moment of both Claire and Myrtle, like, bonding over the cause. Yeah. (laughs) And also just, like understanding the lengths at which they will go to find each other and i think that plays long term as well
0: that's fair i think the like really lovely follow up to it is when they finally come across a group of people after they find out that he's been taken to wentworth and they're trying to like rally the troops to help them break into wentworth and everyone's like no that's really stupid and they're like okay we'll just do it and everyone's like you are going to break into wentworth alone And Claire's like, yeah. Yeah. So either help me or, like, let me die breaking into Wentworth.
1: Yeah. That definitely is, like, a powerful piece of storytelling at that end of that season.
0: Yeah. It's an episode that I think I appreciate more in retrospect. At the time that I watched it, I definitely remembered it as three episodes. Yeah. I'm not even exaggerating. Like, I'm not saying that out of hyperbole. I literally remembered it as three episodes And the only reason I realized it was half of an episode, not even a whole episode, is I was listening to Podlander. Yeah. And the whole thing resolved in the course of one Podlander episode. And I was like, wait, I thought that was at least like two or three episodes. And then I went back and looked. The bottom line is, it was not fun to watch, but you're right that there was an impact there that I felt like then watching Murtaugh in France.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing that struck me was that Claire kind of obviously hated it. Yes. Like, she is not comfortable putting on a show or being a singer or, you know, like, trying to do this whole act. But she'll do it anyway. Right. And I thought of, like, what if, I don't know, like, what in what weird world, like, (laughs) would we be forced in this position? And I'm like, I hate attention. (laughs) Yeah. And I felt, like, on Claire's side with that. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I, I guess you do what you gotta do. Yeah. It's true. Obviously, that whole search starts with Jenny, too, which is a different, right. probably, mark me.
0: <laughs> whole, other, whole other set of feelings right there.
1: Yeah. And th- there's a lot to this that I'm going to unpack later. But in season three, when she comes back into the picture... Yes. Jenny's like... I searched with her for Jamie and she would have never given up looking for him. Yeah. And that had a lot of weight because of this whole sequence in season 1.
0: Yeah. That's such a powerful series like it's what two episodes or so where mm-hmm. she's come back in there at Lollybrock and Jenny is mad at her. Yeah. Just for that reason because when when you last see Jenny before Claire leaves with Murtaugh, Jenny says to her, like, I know I can trust you to do anything to find him. Yeah. And then, sure enough, Claire does anything to find him. And so that is what Jenny is remembering when she says that, like, the Claire I knew never would have stopped looking for him. Right. And unfortunately, what Jenny doesn't know and can't know is that Claire didn't stop looking for him. Like, she spent the 20 years that she spent in modern times, like, going through history looking at ship manifests until they found, you know, well, a page f- from a book that he printed and then she figured out how to go back in time.
1: Arguably, she didn't spend all of that time looking for him.
0: Well, no,
1: but... She waited, like, a while.
0: Sure. But her feelings but like it never changed. No, I know, I know. Well, because part of the problem is that they were both under the assumption that, like, either one of them would die. Yeah. And so it was like potentially a zero sum game.
1: Trust me, my feelings on this are vast.
0: <laughs> I like I don't know that we could unpack it in like a dedicated series even. Nope. But <laughs> but um <laughs> she also didn't even know if it was possible to go back in time again. Yeah. You know, like they're dealing with the space-time continuum here. So I I don't know that I would think of it as like she stopped looking for him so much as she just thought there was nothing to look for. Right. Which feels different than, like, she spent, you know, 20 years just sitting around being like, oh, well.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because she was openly grieving. For sure. For all of those 20 years. And then as soon as she found out that there was any possibility that he survived mm-hmm. Culloden, she was right back at it.
1: Ugh. Season three broke me.
0: <laughs> Season three... Holy dear Lord, you want to talk about some friendship feels? There were, like, four episodes of season three where I just cried about friendship nonstop.
1: Which, like, baffles me because I didn't cry at all about friendship. I cried
0: (laughs) a lot about other things that we'll talk about. (laughs) I mean, in fairness, I'm in a more delicate position than you are at this moment, so.
1: Yeah, it's fair.
0: It's it's possible that as much as I've always been more of a crier than you, except in cases of television – That I'm especially prone to the crying. (laughs) Maybe. Are we on a level playing field now? (laughs) It's possible that I'm, like, somewhere closer to experiencing real human emotion. Oh, God. (laughs) You have
1: plenty of human emotion to go around. (laughs) Feelings are hard, guys. Do you have any season one related Mark Me's that you want to talk about? Or how do you want to go in order with this?
0: Um, Let's see. Oh, God, I have so many. Um, Well, we talked about it a little bit last week, so I don't know that we need to, like, belabor the point. Mm-hmm. But still, one of the most, most of the most impactful moments to me of the whole show are between Claire and Jamie. Yeah. But one of them that I have never gotten over is when Claire finally tells him that she's a time traveler. hmm And I specifically named this quote last episode, too, but when yeah. he points to her and says, I believe there's a trust between us, there's just, like, like he has just been told the most batshit crazy thing about her after rescuing her from a trial where she was almost burned at the stake for being a witch. And he's a deeply religious man at a time when they believe in, like, demons and the devil and, like, whatever. Yeah. And he's still, whether or not he actually believes that time travel is possible, he believes that whatever she's experiencing has some kind of merit. And he now, like, after knowing all this time that she has secrets, he now believes that she has revealed some truth. And now he knows something about those secrets. hmm And part of it is that from the moment Claire lands... No one trusts her, and no one knows what her deal is, but everyone knows that there's something she's not telling them. Yeah. And, like, it starts even before people get to know her. So, like, Blackjack finds her in the woods, and he immediately knows that something is wrong about her. Yeah. And that there's something he's not, she's not telling him. And this is what follows her for the whole series. And so to have not just someone, but her husband, who she barely knows say to her, like, I actually believe this Yeah. after months of nobody trusting you, was, like, it just was so perfect. And it cements their relationship in a way that was really important for what the show tries to build on for the rest of the time. Because they go through so much shit over the next two seasons.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they do bad things, and there's a lot of, like, not necessarily betrayal between the two of them, but definitely, like, things that would break most relationships. Yeah. But where they always come back and meet in the middle is that they trust that each one was just trying to make the best decision in the moment that they could. So it always comes back to, like, the trust and love and respect that they have for each other, even if they're both out there fucking up.
2: mm
1: I remember even like the second you watched that scene, you had thoughts
0: about it and you were slacking me. Yeah. It hit me so hard as I was watching it happen. Like they could have played it in so many different ways.
1: Yeah. The language they chose was like very purposeful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Even if you decided like if you narrow down the range of emotions Jamie could be having to just say positive emotions, Mm
2: -hmm. there are so
0: many different ways they could play it. But he has such a subdued reaction, all things relative. Yeah. He also doesn't say, like, I believe you or this explains things. He just says, like, I believe we have a trust between us. Yeah. So it's like, I don't really matter, actually, what the backstory is. I just believe you finally told me the truth. Right. The other thing about season
1: one, and I guess a lot of things, but, like, Kind of in that same moment when she says "Take me home,"
2: oh
0: my god!
1: Yeah, I've, this is the only scene I've watched twice because the other ones would break me. Yeah, and this one did a little, but I watched it like consecutively, so it was okay. Um, yeah, but she says "Take me home," and he th- lets her think that they're yep. going to Lallybroch, and then they show up and they're at um, Craig Nadun instead. Yep, and he kind of like encourages her to go home to where she's from, even though he loves her. And he is like, okay, I'm going to hang out at the bottom of this hill for the night. You do you. Yeah. And he just leaves. And what actually struck me more was when she shows up at his, like, campsite and she says, like, on your feet, soldier, or something like that. She says something, soldier, that, and I didn't realize that was a thing. Yep. And when I went back to rewatch the full season, she says that in, like, their very first exchange.
0: Yeah, she makes that same comment. I think it's when he falls off the horse after he's been shot.
1: Yeah, and I was just like, I don't know why, that, why, but, like, she says that, and then whenever he calls her, like, Sassanac, for some reason, those yeah. things, like, I
0: don't know. They just work for me. <laughs> well, that's, again, one of those moments where, like... She could have said anything. Yeah. And what she says is, like, this kind of dry statement, you know? Like, she's sort of making a joke. Mm Mm-hmm. Essentially. So it's not this grand entrance of, like, Jamie, I came back for you. But it's so
1: perfect.
0: Right. Because there's so much unspoken between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they just... Like, they just connect. Like, they just work. And I don't ever want more spoken between them. <laughs> no, that's what makes the whole thing beautiful. hmm You shouldn't have to openly, at, at least with characters, so that I don't sound dead inside, I'll make that disclaimer. But you shouldn't yes. have to openly talk about your love for each other in order to have a strong, loving relationship.
1: No, and I feel like they do a very good job with nonverbal communication between yes. those two characters and actors. Like, they say a lot with just, a, like, eye contact. Yeah. You're like, oh. So so that can be done on some television shows and not others. It can
0: be done. <laughs> you can convey real human emotion without having to state with words what that human emotion is.
1: Yeah. But sometimes it's also... Very powerful to state that human emotion. <laughs> Sometimes. And I am speaking about my next Mark Me. Oh boy. Which is something I don't know I can talk about. um oh. The scene at Cragna Dune at the end of season two. Yes. That, like, I can't deal with.
0: I'm ready to sob with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think about this episode almost every day. Every day. It just, like, creeps into my mind. So. For those who don't watch. Or for those who just want to relive the moment. Yeah,
1: TLDR. Claire and Jamie have been through some shit. <laughs> Claire has the advantage of knowing history. She knows that the Battle of Craig. Nope. Culloden is about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the Battle of Craig the Dune is the one inside my heart. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> Well done! Um, <laughs> the Battle of Culloden is about to happen and she knows that every clan in the Highlands basically gets demolished in this one battle. And presumably Jamie will also die in this battle. And they kind of have, like, tried to change history and have failed. And they're just like, okay, well, it's gonna happen now. And Claire is pregnant, and so Jamie says, you have to go back to your own time for the sake of, like, our child. Yeah. And yourself. And he's like, I'm meant to, like, die here. It's fine. This is what's going to happen. And so right before the battle's about to happen, he takes her back to Craigna Dune to go back through the stones. And that's where this scene happens. <laughs> <laughs> And it's horrible. <laughs> it's
0: so much.
1: I sobbed and <laughs> sobbed. <laughs> because, like, you get some previews during season two of, like, aftermath of this. Like, yeah. you know that Claire kind of stays in the future. Yeah. Moving forward at least five or so years because you see her with, like, a five-year-old child in the future.
0: Well, they open the season with, like, the moment that she lands on the other side. Yeah. And it's traumatic and horrible.
1: Yeah. But the weight of, like, knowing, like, I had no idea what was going to happen. Like, I kind of knew, but I didn't know. Yeah. And I definitely have been grappling with... The life choices they made in this show <laughs> yep. following this moment, which are bold and which are to basically jump 20 years in the future. Yep. And not just not fill that space, which means that both characters lived without each other for 20 years. Yep. <laughs> which is horrifying. It is. So, this is like teeing up that moment. Yeah, and what broke me, <laughs> and probably most people, is like Jamie's line when he's talking to her, and he says, "Cause he's like a, he's like overly
0: religious, but whatever." He's this. He's a man of his time.
1: He's a man of his time, and he says something about like, um,
0: what's his line that he says? Oh, oh I should find it because it's great verbatim. Uh, When I get to the pearly gates and something, something, my judgment, I'll be able to say, Lord, you gave me a rare woman and I loved her well. Yeah.
1: And it's so good.
0: <laughs> that, and then, like, the music swells and they make out with each other and then they bone down.
1: But, like, as someone who's not a religious person at all, that still was, like, very powerful. <laughs> to say. well because it, like, it's the sentiment of it, it's not the factual of it, right? Right.
0: It's that he believes that the most important thing that he's done with his life is love Claire. Yeah. And respect her and be a, a good husband to her. Which he has been. And he, not only does he believe it's the most important thing that he's done in his life, but he believes that that makes up for all of his mortal sins. Yep. It is powerful. It's so good. And so... S- heartbreaking (laughs) it is heartbreaking it's it's a hard moment i mean it's such a big episode it's a 90 minute episode and a lot happens in it and this Mm -hmm. is like just one very small isolated moment in the total episode so it's something that like i did not think about in the moment even though it's it's like there in front of you but i've thought about it a lot since they go to the stones thinking this will be the last time that they ever see each other. Yes. And knowing that there's a distinct possibility that one or both of them will die.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think most people in the world will go through life without the opportunity to stage their like final goodbye with someone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is like honestly probably for the better. But just imagining like what it would be like to go to the place where you are going to say your final goodbye to this person and then, like, to have to do it. And then to have them deliver that line to you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. for him to, like, still have the wherewithal to be able to say something like that.
1: They do a good job of letting you kind of be clear through, like, their VO and just through, like, their perspective. And If I'm Claire and I'm going 20 years and possibly forever without ever seeing this person again, like, those words stick with you because they stick with me as someone who watched this TV show. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I think about it all the time. Like, Like the part of, like, and God, I loved her well sticks with me every day. Yeah. It's just so wonderful.
0: If you want to know more about how I feel on this... Go and listen to the Podlander episode where they recap it and wait for the part where Julie starts crying about her husband <laughs> feels, because I was like, everything you're saying is exactly how I feel yeah. about this. Yeah. yeah. I cried for all the same reasons. Yeah. Oh I'm God. too dead inside to say it out loud myself, but you no, can you can surmise. Okay. You can surmise.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful moment. And again, it's... You know, he doesn't have, like, a sweeping monologue. He doesn't, like, profess his love. It's just
1: a good, concise
0: line. Yeah! It's like this one line, and that's all
1: you need. I also think the pacing of that episode is important because it's a 90-minute episode, but what they do really well is that the pacing is as frantic as... you could imagine it may be yeah. in a 1745 or whatever battle and like the events leading up to it. Yeah. And you know that both of these characters have been up for like days yeah, and everything is a mess and it's very frantic and they only give this moment the amount of time that you could presumably have. Right, exactly. And I think that's part of what makes it so effective.
0: Like, it, it has a little bit of breathing room within that energy. Like, the energy yep. of it is different. It's quiet at Craig Dune. There's a soft breeze. Like,
2: yeah, it's
0: the environment of it is different. But you're right. It's very short. Like, Jamie has to be back on the battlefield. He has, like, to-dos right before they all face the Redcoats. So, like, yeah. he doesn't have all the time in the world to just hang out with her until they're ready to part. Right. So it has, like, the breathing room it needs, but it's so encapsulated.
1: It's so good. And so bad at the same time.
0: Oh, my God. Everything about that episode is gut-wrenching. It really is. I texted Kelsey about 10 minutes into that episode, and I was like, I think I'm watching the most compelling, like, two hours of television I've ever seen. Yes. And I I stand by it. I have no regrets for making that generalization.
1: No. And I I just wasn't, much as, like, you're supposed to feel, I wasn't ready (laughs) for things to end. And they just do.
0: And you don't get that time back. No, I'm pretty sure I watched straight into the season three premiere.
1: I didn't because I couldn't.
0: I can't remember how I did it. But I was at least grateful I didn't have to wait a whole season because... I think, like, the emotional weight of sitting on that would have felt like 20 years.
1: I don't know how it happens in the world, but somehow I was gifted with an empty house during this episode.
0: <laughs> I think I was watching it at, like, midnight. Like, my husband was very much asleep. Yeah, like, I need I need to be alone. <laughs> I mean, I woke up with puffy eyes. Oh, yeah. It's like... <laughs>
1: That was ugly crying and its purest.
0: Yeah. Like audible gasping, uh-huh. heaving sobs. Oh, yeah. But not in like a, a torturous way. No. None of it felt gratuitous. None of it felt like, oh, watch these two people like no. have to break up. Isn't it sad? Doesn't it feel bad that they're doing it? Like it didn't feel gratuitous. It felt really respectful. It felt like both characters were, like, I mean, obviously, I don't know how I would feel if I was having to send my partner back in time right before I faced the battle that I knew was going to destroy my country. Right. But I'm assuming that it would be similar as when any two people are about to face a horrific moment where you're, like, trying to steal yourself to be, like, strong for the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you're in the midst of like this total crisis,
1: you know what I just thought of? What? When Claire and Frank are on the train. Uh huh. That's a very different parting in
0: similar circumstances. It's true. That's very true, but the stakes feel so different.
1: The stakes are different, but they're not. Right. Like right. they
0: shouldn't be. It's a wartime scenario. Right. London could very well be bombed, or she could very well die on the front lines. Yeah. But they
1: don't juxtapose them because they're not that heavy-handed, usually.
0: <laughs> they have some times in season three where they could use sure. some reminding yeah. about that. Yep. But no, you're right. You're right. They She does experience that with Frank, and they find their way back to each other. And it's an interesting thing to be able to reference. Yeah. Do you have any mark me that you want to talk about next um i mean i have a ton here all of which could probably get their own 48 minute segments the one that i think i want to focus on as long as we're talking about like lines that i think of like every day yeah uh is from the faith episode in season two
1: okay another good 90 minute episode
0: (laughs) oh my god an incredible 90 minute episode So much happens. The pacing is amazing. The writing is amazing. The acting is, like, unbelievable. It's just, Mm -hmm. like, kind of a perfect episode of television. Yeah. So Claire had been pregnant with their first child and ends up miscarrying. Or they keep saying miscarrying, but honestly, it's a stillbirth. Yeah. And during – at the moment, actually, that she goes into labor, Jamie is dueling with Blackjack. Mm-hmm. and dueling is illegal and uh the police or whatever the equivalent is of law enforcement at this time in France yeah find them dueling and arrest Jamie and take him to the Bastille and i don't do they say it out loud like or is it implied that he's to be executed or is he just going to like live in the Bastille
1: yeah it's just implied they don't say it
0: yeah the the bottom line is that like it is not good for him to be caught dueling. It's not like all the other times that he ends up in jail and just like magically gets out. Right. Um, With a pube beard. (laughs) With a pube beard. (laughs) So um, Claire goes into labor as she goes out to the woods to make him stop dueling. And she ends up at the hospital where she has been volunteering. Mm -hmm. And so blah, blah, blah. The child dies. Claire eventually gets out of the hospital And at some point during her time in the hospital, she has a conversation with Mother Hildegard about how angry she is with Jamie. Yeah. Because she believes that this was, like, a violation of her trust and Jamie was being selfish and, like, it fundamentally violates, like, the primary rules of their marriage. Which is, like, that that's legitimate. I could see why that'd be upsetting. Yeah. And... There's this whole metaphor, I can't remember exactly how the conversation's phrased, but there's this whole metaphor, um, because Claire's asking her how to forgive him, and she has a whole metaphor about an ocean deep enough, Mm -hmm. and Claire says, I don't think I could find an ocean deep enough, and then some time passes, and Claire decides she's going to get Jamie out of the Bastille, so she goes to Mother Hildegard, who she knows is, like, related to the king, yeah. to ask the favor of getting an audience with the king. And Mother Hildegard looks at her with this very small smile and says, I see you found an ocean deep enough. I never picked up on that, and I love it so much. <laughs> that, like, every once in a while, I'll be, like, driving or something, and Mother Hildegard saying that will, like, come into my brain. Wow. It's like, it's like such. An incredible moment for so many reasons.
1: Yeah. I'm like
0: awestruck a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it incredible? I'm so excited for you to watch that episode again. Because especially in an episode with so much emotional turmoil, it's almost like a little bit of a balm. You know, it's like this moment of like, of her saying to Claire, like, you can heal from this. Mm hmm. Like, you have found an ocean deep enough. You will get over this. And I can't – I wish I could remember what Claire's response was. It was something kind of snappy. But – What a good metaphor. It's a beautiful metaphor. I wish I could remember the original quote, too, that the metaphor comes from. But just go and watch the episode. But it's a beautiful moment in terms of Claire and Jamie's marriage and, like, the bedrock of their marriage. hmm Because – you can understand why Claire felt such a profound amount of hurt yep. at Jamie's decision to pursue this duel. And, of course, mm-hmm. at the time that she goes back to ask this favor to see the king, she's found out why Jamie pursued the duel. And it was because, um, you know, Blackjack sucks. And right. <laughs> did bad things to Fergus. And so, like, <laughs> you know, things are different now. But... She has this sort of layered realization that, like, she needs to trust Jamie. Jamie did this thing, but not without his reasons. He was doing it out of good intentions. It wasn't about his selfish desire versus her selfish desire. She realizes all that she's asked of him and how unreasonable it is. There's just, like, so much happening in the moment that she decides to forgive him. Yeah. And then she goes on to have when he has the pube beard have the conversation with him and there's so many quotes from that conversation but she starts to tell him how angry she was with him and how much she hated him Mm -hmm. and she's really frank and almost like mean with him yeah and he doesn't even blame her he's like he just lets her have her anger and own it and then she completely turns it on him and says that she realized that all along she was angry with herself because she yeah. wasn't letting him have the one thing that would give him closure, which is killing Blackjack, because she was afraid that it would mean Frank would not come into existence in the future. Which was selfish. It was extremely selfish. And that was her whole point is, like, we ha- we both had our motivations. Yeah. And we both made bad choices because we were being selfish
2: hmm
0: and, and what she was owning is, like, me being selfish put you in a worse position. And ultimately, both of us being selfish caused us to lose our daughter. Yeah. It's just, like, there's... It's a s- good episode. It's it's so good. And, it again, like, they put so much in it and they punctuate it with this, like, really understated but pivotal emotional moment between the two of them that's just about their marriage.
1: Yeah. That's what all the best stuff is, though, truly.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's what the story is ultimately about. Right. But, man, they do it well sometimes.
1: That's a good segue to my last Mark Me that I really want to talk about. Oh, I'm ready. That I've been sitting on for weeks. Weeks. <laughs> you know about it already. Do I? But it, it's the one that broke me completely. Okay. I don't think I've ever had a moment like this watching any content ever. Okay. Um, In season three, uh uh-huh. Claire has come back to the 1700s and she is at Lallybrock with Jamie. And they've been together for like a week, maybe? Uh-huh. Not very long at this point. And she finds out that Jamie's been lying to her and that he married Leary. Uh-huh. Which is a, a horrible realization.
0: <laughs> Kelsey in particular had a very hard time with this.
1: I'm st- I'm never gonna get over it. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> it's so bad. Um, <laughs> but what like broke me <laughs> was they have this huge fight following this moment where Leary kind of like bursts in and is like, "That's my husband." And she's like, "What the fuck?" And rightful, rightfully so because they been together for a couple days and he hasn't, like, cared to mention this fact.
0: Right. There's a lot of, a lot of baggage. And she, like, asked him and she told him it was okay if it was, if he had been married or was married because she understood that they were living their own lives. Like, she addressed it head on when she first came back.
1: Yes. And so they're having this big, like, blowout fight and she's like, fuck this. I'm out. I don't want it. And they're yelling at each other, and he says that y- you left me. Uh-huh. And I am broken by that. Really? Because I felt like Claire was me in that moment. Yeah. I got so upset as if he was yelling at me. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've never experienced.
0: <laughs> And I was like, she didn't leave you. Did you have like the knee-jerk reaction of like, you made her leave? Yes. Because I I literally said that out loud to my screen when he said that. Right.
1: Because, it, and I understand the impulse to say that. And at the same time, I'm like, I literally felt like I was clear. And I was
0: like, she didn't leave you? Like, there was so much more than just that. Well, and as she says in that argument, like, I would have happily stayed and died in Culloden with you.
1: Yes. And that, like, hurt me to my core. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Jamie's yelling at me. He wasn't. But, like, it was just so, it's not characteristic, I think, of him to shout at people. Yeah. at, At Claire. And it was so... Like, I was grappling with the time change uh-huh. and grappling with their time apart, and this was just, like, so many feelings wrapped up into what I was feeling, and I wasn't <laughs> ready for it. I loved this episode um, because I loved how she... Uh, a lot happened. Yeah. <laughs> they had this big argument. She then decides to leave. Yeah. Like, angrily leave with her shit in her bag walk out the door, and then Leary shows up, and she shoots Jamie in the shoulder. (laughs) And Claire's still so rightfully angry. Yes. And she's now like, fuck, now I have to deal with this shit. And, like, we've seen so many times where she's, like, worried about Jamie. And in this moment, she's like, might die, I don't know. (laughs) she's like gonna do it anyway and she's so salty so rightfully salty i just like had a lot of feelings during that episode
0: i love to anytime the two of them fight because their fights are awful and like gut-wrenching and terrible but they allow both of them to like let their their feelings show like when you're Everyone has feelings that they like rationalize their way out of or justify their way out of, and when you're angry, those feelings come out in their like truest form. So they come out as Jamie saying, "You left me," yeah. even though in his rational mind he knows that he made her do it; she had to do it for their daughter. Like all the stuff mm-hmm. in his soul, he's like, "But you still left," and he knows how awful his life was after that happened because he was. Alone and shit went real south for him. And I'm so sad for him. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's no one wins. No one won. And you could see how, when left only with his imagination, he would believe that Claire going to the future where it's safe to be with a husband who can take care of her is better than what he experienced. Mm -hmm. And I will also defend. That point of view, because while Claire lived a miserable life, she was not a slave. Yeah, she was not a prisoner. No, etc. etc. So, yeah, I I mean they both are so raw when they fight, and it's not. No one is trying to pad that. Everyone just lets them have their like deep seated <laughs> baggage
1: whenever they fight and. My childhood was, like, my parents have a happy marriage. Uh-huh. Whenever they fight, it's, like, when my parents fought. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, it, like, it's so horrifying. I'm like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Well, like, my husband and I don't fight. We have, like, very quiet, well-reasoned conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, the like, watching Jamie and Claire fighting is, like, uncomfortable for me because it's like imagining what it would be like if we fought that we being my husband and i not you and i i mean yeah. i guess you and i also <laughs> we're a different type of marriage <laughs> we're basically married
1: i believe they call that a common law marriage right <laughs>
0: hey it's been more than eight years Sure has. (laughs) We're just missing the shared residence part.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's all right. We don't need to live on a compound.
0: (laughs) We also don't not need to live on a compound. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I I grew up in a single-parent household, so I didn't really have to deal with the, like, mom and dad fighting, are they going to get divorced thing. But it does hit me in, like, the husband feels place, where it's like, Can you imagine being that angry at your spouse and then and you're like fighting and you have your feelings and whatever. And then they come out with a nugget like that where it's not just like, wow, are you wrong? But it's also like, look at how deeply hurt this person is. And you have to deal with it while also putting them on blast.
1: Yeah, I think that's what got me was like,
0: they were both mad for the right reasons. Well, that's the other thing about when they fight, is most of the time both of them are right. Yeah. And both of them are also wrong, because that's the only way both of them could be right. But most of the time, like, it's a fair fight.
1: It was so fair.
0: Yeah. And just like, I don't know, it, it broke me. Yeah. I think, too, because the foundation of their marriage is, like, honesty. Like, they don't keep secrets from each other. Yeah. They always like, lay their cards on the table. Yeah. And so if they get to the point where they have to fight to clear the air, it's because that that fundamental piece broke down. Yeah. Which was the whole point of the Leary fight.
1: Mm-hmm. But also, like, it, it was a little relieving, I guess. Yeah. Because there was so much unspoken tension between them. Yep. For the, like, the couple of episodes that had passed since they had been reconnected and, like, getting that all out on the table was, like, I I was tense watching it and I didn't even know why. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, oh, it's because, like, Jamie feels this way and Claire feels this way and now I get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, from the moment that they're reunited, you can feel it. Like, I think their reunion is so interesting. Because it was, like, the most awaited thing, I'm going to generalize, but happening on television that year. At least for the fandom. And for us. And for us. And for good reason. Like, they've been apart 20 years. You know that they're going to get back together this season. And so wondering how they're going to handle it is, like, a big moment of suspense. And I, when it first happened, I didn't totally know what to think. Because yeah. it's, it's almost anticlimactic. And mm-hmm. it would be, right? Like Yep. Yep. I mean, think about think about people who you knew like in college or high school who you haven't seen in like three or four years and you try to like get coffee with them. Everyone would be squirrely. Everyone is so squirrely because you have this moment where you're like, I don't know anything about who you are as a person. Yeah. And I don't know how to ask that question. Right. Except now it's the person that you loved the most in all of the world, and it's been 20 years. In two different centuries.
1: With some serious misunderstandings. <laughs>
0: With some real misunderstandings in the meantime. And it takes most of season three for their relationship to really come back in a meaningful way. Mm. And there's these little milestones, like the first time they have sex and the first time they fight, where you can feel some of the barriers starting to drop. Yeah. But it's such a slow build until they get to a place where you feel like these two people are back in sync and understand each other again. Mm Mm-hmm. That's part of what makes it so hard. (laughs) It is. Because now you're in the emotional slog with them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is all a sign of really, really incredible writing.
0: (laughs) Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's such a visceral show. Yeah. And not, like, not in a gross-out way, not in, like, a scary way, in, like, every way that you can feel things.
1: In the way that someone can be yelling at someone else and you can involuntarily imagine yourself as them.
0: (laughs) I didn't even just imagine it. I spoke back to my screen. Right. I was like crying and I was like, I didn't leave you. And I was like, wait, it's not me. I said that to my screen. I was like, she, you made her. Oh my God. That one line just killed me. And the way he said it too, because it, it, it like came out of him like an alien. It was like, he had to say it, even if it was a ridiculous feeling. I, I, it's
1: like when you're like harboring something for so long and you know it's gonna like hurt whoever you say it to and you just have to say it.
0: well, and even if you know that the feeling itself is like ridiculous or not justifiable or not fair, yeah, like you feel it anyway. your feelings are what they are, whether they're fair. yeah. and sometimes they do just burst out of you like aliens.
2: mm-hmm.
1: The delivery of that line also should not go unnoticed, you're right.
0: No. Well no, it it's so raw, he's like shaking when he says it.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm gonna handle watching that episode again.
0: I'm worried about watching that episode. I'm worried about watching the season finale of season two again.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: I have a lot of anxiety about watching that one again. Me too. Nora just kicked. She she obviously has some anxiety too. Aww. Oh, oh, that one was distracting. (laughs) Every once in a while it surprises me.
1: (laughs) Our third chair has officially weighed in. Our
0: our third chair had her first opinion. (laughs) That's That's my girl. (laughs) Oh, my God. Have an outlander feels. You got to start him early. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The thing about this show is that there are so many different reads on what is happening because it portrays emotional complexity. Mm-hmm. And you can spend so much time unpacking it. We have. <laughs> well, in, in any given scene we've talked about, there's still more. There's more. We're and, at surface level. Yeah, the most surface. And I mean, I have a a list in front of me that we're never going to get to. And this is just what I could come up with off the top of my head. This is not nearly inclusive or exhaustive.
1: Tell me some of your greatest hits.
0: Oh, Lord. Um, Claire with the orange after sleeping with the king. Yep. Wonderful. Well, sleeping with is real loose there. But... (laughs) Getting penetrated for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Two thrusts. (laughs) 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 Um... But, you know, just her, like, picking up the damn orange, like, you know, it's like, it was all transactional, and this was her last way of being like, you owe me this. Yep. I will take every last thing that you give to me. Also, another mark me line that comes from the Mother Hildegard scene Mm -hmm. is Mother Hildegard says to her about meeting the king, she says, like, I'll set it up for you, but just so you know, he's gonna expect you to sleep with him. and. She says, "I'm gonna butcher butcher it, so it won't be quite verbatim, but she says,
2: Oh, um,
0: like if i if I have to give up my virtue, I'll count it among the things I lost yep. in France, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: oh, that's that also a line best. that like pops into my head from time to time. It's
1: also a line I wish I could deliver as a reference from time to time, and it
0: would never I know. land. <laughs> I know it would never land." except maybe in the slack channel you're right (laughs) i'll count it among the things i lost in france
1: (laughs) count my time at work as among the things i left in france
0: (laughs) oh my god Uh, uh, we just made a new
1: beam for our slack (laughs) we
0: we made a new slack beam. (laughs) y'all should really be in our in our slack it's lit as fuck But – because at this point, like, she's only a week out from her daughter dying. Yeah. Jamie is in jail, and they have lost their battle with history to try to stop Culloden from happening. Like, Culloden is now inevitable. So she has also lost the opportunity to protect all of Scotland. She's lost the opportunity to protect – like, her clansmen from dying, and she now knows that she's lost the opportunity to keep Jamie from dying. Right. And horrible things have happened to Fergus, and horrible things have happened to Jamie, and, like, France was a shit show, more or less.
1: Sure was. <laughs> so- Especially for those of us who didn't like the hair.
0: I liked France, okay? <laughs> I didn't like France. You only liked it because of the stairs. I I did enjoy the stairs. That was a nice throwback for me, (laughs) y'all. I spent a lot of time on those stairs. Humble brag from the Ser. Humble brag. (laughs) That's Sarlacc life, right? So, yeah, that like was also such a beautiful line. That was so understated and delivered so quietly that just said everything it needed to say. It really did so good. And then I have sort of like a list of friendship feels. Tell me the cliff notes of your friendship feels. I had a lot of friendship feelings about Claire and Joe Abernathy. Mm -hmm. The TLDR is that they were both outcasts in their white male doctor program. Mm -hmm. And Joe, like everyone else in her life, knew that she had secrets but never pushed her for it. And he was yet another man who, like, understood what he was dealing with in Claire, but handled her com- very respectfully. I almost it's wish like, we
1: got more time with them.
0: I definitely wish we had more time with Joe. He seems like a really fascinating character, and I think their relationship would have been really interesting to track. Um, like, spending more time with it as her marriage was falling apart. Yeah. Would have been really interesting. and Because, I mean, at this point, he's like her boss, right? Potentially. I think so. Either way, he just, like, loves and admires her so much in, like, a friendship way. And he yeah. has a nickname for her, and he ribs her. And it's just, like, it's so sweet. And Claire, in the whole life of the show, has so few people who get her on that level. hmm And are sweet with her. Yeah. And at this point, she's also, like, really hardened and really dead inside because, like, she's had all of this trauma. She's lost the love of her life. Her shit with Frank has fallen apart. So her life is, like, pretty miserable and she has no interest in, like, human relationships. But she has Joe. That's all you need. That's all you need. Uh, Myrta and Jamie post Wentworth when they're at the monastery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> That's another one that you could spend hours talking about. Even, like, I, yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I just thought of a million things that happened in that episode.
0: Yeah, right? That's another, like, packed episode. It's the episode after Wentworth, but it's it's also the season one finale. But it essentially ends up being the second episode of Wentworth.
1: I think the biggest thing about that particularly with Jamie and Murta is that entire scene that they do with no context in Gaelic.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's a beautiful scene. That's like mm-hmm. honestly a piece of art. Mhm. I mean, there's so much happening there because it's like such a deep portrayal of this very real trauma that Jamie has experienced. And it's a portrayal of suicidal ideation and a portrayal of depression. And he's got this person beside him who's like, look, dude, I, I don't know how, but, like, you have to figure it out somehow and you have mm-hmm. to come out of it somehow. Like, too bad. You got to do it. Yeah. But at the same time, he has told Claire before he goes in that room that if Jamie can't pull himself out of it, that, like, Murtaugh will kill him, essentially. Right. Because it's kinder than letting him suffer. Mm-hmm. It's just like, there's so, I mean, obviously I'm not, like, advocating that people go that route. There's just, like, a lot happening. <laughs> yeah. In terms of what- <laughs> In terms of Murta- feels. <laughs> in terms of feels. In terms of what Murtaugh is about to take on to try to heal Jamie.
1: Yeah. Even, like, what Claire decides to do to help him.
0: Yeah. That's a really fraught scene. Sure is. (laughs) Like, her purposefully triggering him because she can't figure out any other way to get him to respond is, like, whew.
1: Yeah. But I think, like, the purpose behind them saying, like, you have to meet him halfway.
0: Yeah. You have to enter the darkness with him.
1: Yeah. Is worth something.
2: It's true.
1: I think the means at which she does it are questionable, Very. but I I get what they're going for there, and yeah. she's like, she's like, sure, you want to kill yourself? Fine, I'll kill myself too. Like, that's kind of where she's at at that
2: point.
0: Yeah, and I feel like coming full circle, that's the trust between them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I think was it Murtaugh who says like, you need to enter the darkness with him. Yeah, yeah, and she does is like her whole point is we are in this together and you can't do any of this without me and i can't do any of this without you and that's just how it is now
1: which is why everything later just breaks me
0: (laughs) it's true it's why the 20 years after culloden is so painful and why it's so agonizing when they do reunite yes oh my god i know mark me Mark me. Mark my feels. So, as part
1: of our tribute to our friends the Daves, (laughs) we're making this episode just like it was a 90-minute movie. (laughs) I'm not sorry for a second that we have spent an hour and 20 minutes talking about... Things that were important to us.
0: No, because I feel incomplete. I have more I still want to say. Tell me more. We can. Fuck it. You want to
1: make this whole episode about that?
0: (laughs) Do you have more? Could you keep
1: going? I could keep going. Okay. Guys, we're going to talk about Game of Thrones next. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's how we get our fourth omnibus. Yeah. There we go. I'm not sorry because I have enough to say about the Daves and I have enough to say about this. Yeah. Well, and, like, there's just so much to feel. Because I don't have feelings about normal things. Yeah. I often find, like, if I'm in the right mindset, like, I will seek out something that I know will trigger me emotionally. (laughs) Anything to feel. Right. (laughs) Like... I know exactly what episodes of Friday Night Lights. I know exactly what episodes of Everwood. Yeah. And I think if I was courageous enough, (laughs) I would know what episodes of Jane the Virgin and Outlander I could watch too. I
0: can't play that game with Jane the Virgin. It's too real. Sure can't.
1: Sure can't. Sure
0: can't. Too real. Can't do it. I don't know
1: if I ever can.
0: And I think, like, Outlander feelings are also very real and, like, hit very raw nerves and, like, can trigger me at any time, day or night. But there are certain episodes of Jane the Virgin that are too painful.
1: Oh my god, yes.
0: Because the thing with the hurt in Outlander is that there are other emotions mixed in with it. Yeah. It's, like, a vast emotional landscape, so there's, like, ways to process the hurt.
2: hmm
0: <laughs> But the episodes of Jane the Virgin... Are just too much. Can we talk about the yes and? Because I cried for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> In which the omnibus becomes about Jane the Virgin. Yeah. That's <laughs> fine. I just couldn't. You know, that episode didn't hit me as hard as it hit you.
1: Overall, it didn't. But I wasn't ready for more Michael.
0: yeah. It's so funny that that's such an instant slug for you.
1: I feel like it's not gratuitous, and I feel like some people could read it as gratuitous.
0: Yeah. I just, I felt like in last week's episode, it was, like, just a little too quick and a little too clean. It was. Like, she was placated way too easily by Raphael being like, nah, we good.
1: But I liked the, uh, the thematic ties.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: And... The fact that, like, she did get back with Raphael so quickly and it was, like, now this is what we're doing. Yeah. And I like that they give you that nod of, like, we haven't forgotten and she hasn't either, like. Yeah, okay. That's where I was, like, oh, okay. That's fair. And I think that it was a plausible enough time for her to, like take a second to be like wait.
2: Yeah,
0: that's definitely true. It just wasn't the best job they've ever done of weaving in an emotional moment for her with like a life event. No, it it wasn't, but it worked for me. Yeah. No, that's fair. When you put it like that, it does like carry more weight.
1: I just like that he never goes away. Yeah. Because
0: right. I think a normal person would have that reaction. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, and if you want to segue back into Outlander. Hi, we're here in 1743. Um, I mean, that's one of the things about season three and they're 20 years apart that is so hard is that they are openly dealing with grief during that time. And it's a similar sort of thing where like the whole time that they're apart, they're grieving each other. Mm -hmm. Even as Claire is married to Frank and she's trying to, like, have sex with him again and, like, get back into a marriage. Like, the whole reason her marriage falls apart is because she's grieving Jamie.
1: Yeah.
0: And, like, Jamie has so much shit happen to him. Like, he's in prison. He's an indentured servant slash slave. Oh, and then Willie. Willie happens. He's low-key raped again. He finally starts his life of crime in Edinburgh. He gets married again. Like, so much happens for him, and through all of it, he's grieving her. hmm And it's it's the way that, like, grief changes over time, so it's not like he feels the same way about it that he did when he left her at the Stones. Right. And it's not like she felt the same way about it as she did when she was walking down the road the day that she came out of Craigna Dune like grief wears over time. Right. But it's still the same thing and they're still processing it the way that like someone living with grief would.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like by taking such a hard stance that like we're going to go 20 years in the future and we're not going back. Yeah. Yep. Is like you feel that time That has passed more than I think you would if it was, like, relying on flashbacks and Uh things like that.
0: It gives us a sense
1: of lost time. Totally, because they don't really fill in the gaps. Right. They give you little snapshots, but they don't give you, like, here's what I did for 20 years.
0: Right, right. So it makes you appreciate, like, what they've lost along the way. And... It's the same thing where, like, if you were reunited with someone after 20 years, like, it doesn't matter how much time you spend chatting. Like, you can't recreate the time that you've lost.
1: The parent trap taught me that lesson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like, not to be weird, but, like, we talk nonstop all day every day and there's still parts of each other's lives we don't know about.
1: Right. Kirstie's figured that out multiple times on this podcast. <laughs>
0: there's just so much lost time we can't make up for True, (laughs) and now like the fact that you know this fictional tv show is able to set up like an emotional landscape where you the audience can be like i'm missing something here i'm missing time spent with these characters i'm missing this part of their history i'm missing their experience that's the whole point exactly You see just enough to understand how they find their way back to each other. And that's, like, hard to stomach. It is. Uh, You have had such a hard time with it. I've
1: had a very hard... I've had a hard time with, like, even just, like, aging the characters. (laughs) Because, like, what happened to the hot, sexy times? Like, come on now. They get it back. They they get it, but it's still, like, I can't... The gray hair, like, there's just a lot... (laughs) it's just all reminders of the fact that they left each other thinking that they would never find each other again and like just wasted all this time. And I can't, I can't even process what that must be like to think like I spent 15 years in this loveless marriage or whatever. Yeah, And I spent, you know, however long thinking that I would never see you again. And then you were there all along and now we don't get that time back.
0: Can you imagine, like, no the, the scar that leaves on your relationship? No, and that's why it, like, hurts me in season three. <laughs> Even just, like, if you stopped just at, I never thought I'd see you again. Right. Like, going your whole life believing this person is dead and does not exist. Right. They are dealing with such big things and, like... Sure, time travel is there, but it's so big.
1: And, like, it's so unknown. Uh Uh-huh. Like, Claire's like, I think I touched the stone and I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, a known thing that she's like, I can travel back and forth whenever I want.
0: Well, and she has, like, that whole monologue in season one when she's trying to figure out if she can get back to Frank. Where she's like, what if I touch the stone and it takes me to the 1500s? Instead of taking me to the 1900s. Right. We don't know. This could go any fucking way. Yeah. It's so much.
1: But that's why, like, when she's angry at him, like, in that same episode in season three. Mm Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm here now. Don't really know why. Things are weird.
0: (laughs) And she's, like, just got so much baggage. (laughs) Well, can you imagine how frustrating it would be to... Like, think about everything Claire sacrificed. Oh, yeah. like Totally. And she's like, now I have to deal with this
1: high school bullshit. Daughter. Leary likes you. (laughs) Leary
0: likes you. (laughs) Well, there's that. And, like, it's also not like they just fell back in love. Yeah. Like, she rationally knew that she could go back in time and they would have a hard time, like, Getting to know each other again. But that's very different than being face to face with this person and knowing what it was like to be with them. Yeah. And not having it immediately. Because there had to be a small part of her that just hoped that it would be easy. Oh, 100%. Even if she told herself it wouldn't be, there had to be some part of her that was like, it'll be easy.
1: Yeah. And I don't blame her when she's like, I actually just want to go back to the rocks again. Never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, fuck this noise. Well, that moment when they're they're watching Ian on the island to mm-hmm. while he goes to get the treasure. Oh
1: yeah, that's the end of this one.
0: Yeah, and she's kind of standing back, like thinking thoughts, and Jamie's up on the cliff, like, oh, this plan is going swimmingly. And then she's suddenly like, maybe we shouldn't be together. This is too hard. Maybe it shouldn't be this hard. Yeah. And I can't remember what Jamie says to her, but he essentially says, it's a good line, but whatever it is, is like, we have to be together. Yeah, yeah. And he's not wrong. It's not as good as the season two line. It's not. It's not. But his point is like, you know, we have to be together. We've already been apart once and we made it back together. Like, yeah, we can't be separated. Right. It's apparently against the laws of the space-time continuum.
1: Although, try as the show might for plot.
0: (laughs) Every goddamn episode. I'm just like, just leave them alone. They just want to bone, and I want to watch. They're never going to bone. The thing that was so sad to me, this isn't really a mark me yet, but the thing that was so sad to me about the season three finale Mm -hmm. is that it's absolutely positioned To feel like a fresh start, like they're in this new land. Yeah. They can use their real names again. They're safe after almost dying in the ocean. Yeah. Like, this is their beginning. And you know that's going to be a fucking lie. Oh, totally. You know that nothing is safe for them. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's just this, like, this moment with drone footage (laughs) where for just a second you feel so safe because you think like maybe this time nope nope don't fall for it if you fell for it don't fall for it um another thing from season
1: three that is definitely a mark me that we've discussed in some detail before is fergus becoming a fraser
0: oh my god i was just about to transition to that were you yeah tell me your feelings i I, you I, you had some? I just, I think, like, I don't know if I've unpacked them. Oh, God. <laughs> it, it just hit me really hard. Oh, yeah. Because Fergus is, like, their adopted son. And, you know, Fergus has, like, gone through his whole life feeling like he doesn't have an identity. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the whole reason that this comes up is because he's trying to marry Marsley, and the priest asks for a surname, and he's like, well, I'm just Fergus, and the priest is like, I can't marry you without a surname. Right. And, like, just stopping there, before you get to the next part, like, how tragic is it that, like, Fergus has come into adulthood and, like, doesn't know who he is? Right. It's not like Retta, where he's like, I'm doing this on purpose. Right! Right! Right, he's like this little orphan boy who grew up in a whorehouse. But
1: also, there's a lot of, like, Jamie always wanted to be a dad. Uh Uh-huh. And he was a dad all along and he didn't even realize it half the time. Yeah,
0: he has, like, so many biological children that he's lost and hasn't gotten to have relationships with. But he did raise Fergus. And it's like he
1: didn't even realize he was doing it. Uh Uh-huh. He did, but he doesn't. And it's like, it's sad, but it's also nice.
0: Well, I think there's something kind of tragic there where, what I'm about to say is tricky because I don't want it to be misconstrued, but I think there are cases where people talk about children. Like, I know in my family, um, it happened with a group of cousins where, like, the aunts would say, like, you know, I think of this cousin as one of my own children. Mm Mm-hmm. But obviously they were treated differently than the cousins who were the direct children. Yeah. So I think there are relationships where children are taken in by adults and feel like they are treated differently and don't have the full connection with them that they might have with a caregiver who actually identifies as their caregiver. Yeah. yeah. So that's not to like make generalizations about non-traditional caregiving. No, but I think
1: that is true of this circumstance, right? Where like, Fergus is
0: hired by them, right? Initially. right, and then it's it kind of morphs into like almost like a a friendship dynamic more than a parent child dynamic, and kind of like a like a butler dynamic. Well, it's like he's their ward more yeah. than their child, yeah. And so, you know, he has this connection with Jamie. And memories of Claire. Because the other part of it is that Claire left when he was a child. Right. He was like nine when the Battle of Culloden happened. So he only knew Claire for like a year or two. Yeah. And she had a big impact on him in that time, but it was short lived. Mm-hmm. And then he had this like long term relationship with Jamie and now works for him again. So it's still like kind of that weird dynamic. Mm-hmm. And this is the moment. So he's, like, come to this moment where he doesn't know who he is, and Jamie is now stepping up and saying, after all of this, you are actually part of my family. Right. It's just a lot. I also, because I come from, like, a less than typical family, I also somewhat believe in the power of, like, choosing who you identify as family members.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And as you well know. And so I think... Even though it's not like Jamie is staking his claim on him as his father at this point. No. Even though there's a little bit of that because it's like Fergus was the child he was raising all along. Right. It's still this moment of like, you know, we are bonded and like you can identify as part of part of me and part of my family. As an honorary member of your family, I can <laughs> understand how Fergus yeah. feels at this moment. Yeah. It, it's a big thing to be able to say to someone, like, you know, I, I respect you on the level that, like, family is supposed to be respected on. Right. It's going to be great.
1: When I get a niece. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. You need to be an aunt. It's going to be so good. It's so good. <laughs> the show causes you to have feelings, guys. Mark me! Mark me! Um... I also have a lot of feelings about the fact that Fergus always refers to Claire as milady.
1: Tell me more about
0: that. I don't know that they're, like, deep necessarily. Like, I don't think this is a well. But I think it's interesting because, it correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember Fergus in adulthood referring to Jamie as milord. No. Which he did as a child. Yeah. But I don't remember him doing that. Like once he's working for him. Uh, okay. Yeah. But he still does it with Claire. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to like pathologize it because I don't know that I know enough about Fergus as a character. Obviously, not as a person to do such a thing. But yeah, the way or the reason that I thought of it is because of the scene where he's telling young Ian what Claire was like. Yeah. Because Young Ian asks, and he says something. The quote is something like "Milady was strong and something and something and something," and it just it feels like he regards her with a very specific kind of like admiration and almost like awe. That phrase has forever been ruined
1: by Star Wars episode 2 Attack of the Clones. <laughs>
0: oh no. That's
1: a problem. <laughs> In which Anakin refers to Natalie Portman no, as my lady. Oh no. Constantly.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah. Sure does. Constantly. No. It's very uncomfortable. Ugh. That's really upsetting. I know. Is that when they go to Runfar? Yeah, and, like, before and after. I hate it. Why did Anakin have to ruin everything for me?
1: Like, do we blame Anakin at this point, or do we blame Hayden
0: Christensen? Because
1: I think it's a little bit of both.
0: Blame all of them. They're all the worst. I just came here to have a good time, and I honestly feel so attacked right now. I'm sorry! (laughs) It's not my
1: fault. George Lucas did this.
0: George Lucas made his
1: mistakes. George Lucas and Zuck could probably find solace together at some point.
0: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> They've had a rough go. Sure have. It's been a tough week for men everywhere. Good. Good.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. Do you have anything else from the greatest hits of Mark Me? You know who I feel like we haven't appreciated? Who? Who also is just like a well that I don't think we could unpack. But Frank. There are so, so many things with Frank. One of the scenes that I don't think about it like every day, but I think about it pretty frequently. I spend a lot of my free brain space reflecting on this show. Sure. Is uh, the scene, two scenes, the scene where they're trying to bone down by the fireplace. Mm Mm-hmm and he wants her to open her eyes yeah oh and he says he says to her later like you used to always like have your eyes open and now you don't and it's because you're thinking of jamie yeah that's really tough
1: well and jamie has the same reverse experience with that other chick
0: oh yeah the one he has the one-off with in the cave yeah
1: Like, also, I don't ever want to do it in a
0: cave. No, ew. Nope. God, there's so many bugs in caves. Yeah, nope. I feel like you're just asking for a yeast infection at that point. Ew. (laughs) I feel like it'd be, like, as irresponsible as beach sex. Yeah, yes. Like, vaginas are self-cleaning, but they're not asking for sand.
1: No. (laughs) it'd be colder and wetter than beaches (laughs) it'd be very (laughs) cold
0: it'd be so cold and there's like moss and like slimy shit in caves yep yep Yep. it just it seems it seems bad it's a mistake it's a real real big mistake and like he was hiding from the law so like i know he wasn't up in like grand accommodations but i feel like they could have played that better Oh, unrelated to Frank, and then we'll go back to Frank, but is uh, the scene immediately after where they stage his return to Lollybrock so that he can be Oh, God, yes. And Jenny is not fucking playing. No. She's not even selling it. Every word she says to him is exactly what she is feeling. Yep. She's like, why did you do this to me? And I'll never forgive you. Oh, yeah. And... What that's supposed to mean to the Redcoats is, like, I don't know, for crimes or something. Right. But what she's saying is because she didn't want to sell him out to the Redcoats. She didn't want to let him go back to prison because right. she knows that he'll be executed. And he's trying to do no, it for the good of No, they didn't know they were
1: executed at that point. Oh, uh, okay. They knew that they were just, like, hanging out.
0: Gotcha. That's why she- he decided it was finally Okay but she had to figure what cuz she didn't she didn't trust him to execute that plan no but they knew that they were no
1: longer executing people who were part of the like hmm. jacobites so that's why they finally did it
0: yeah either way she didn't want him to go back to prison no and she says something along the lines of, like, why did you make me do this or "Yeah, something. And that is so real. And, again, it's, like, so visceral. Like, you can see it in all of her body language that she is so angry with him. And when she says, I'll never forgive you, I don't think I've ever believed a human being more.
1: Nope. Nope.
0: <laughs> Not just because Jenny can hold a grudge, but just, like, everything about her in that moment she fucking means it oh yeah yeah it's like you really did it now. such a nuanced performance as always from her though as always she's fucking perfect she's another one who we haven't appreciated no there's so many jenny moments that stick out in my mind too right but the other moment with frank because this all started off as frank appreciation yeah And I I mentioned it in the last episode, too, but I was yelling at Claire in the last episode when I mentioned it, but they're happily chatting at breakfast about life and stuff, and they're starting Mm -hmm. to settle into their house, and it's starting to seem like, you know, maybe they could be happy together. They seem like they're in a good groove, and he reaches out to touch her stomach, and she shies away from him. Uh Uh-huh. And he, like, his face gets so dark so suddenly. Yeah. Because. In that moment, he suddenly realizes that no matter what he does, how much he provides for her, how hard he tries, she will never come back to him. Yeah, no way. And after everything they've been through, like being separated in the war, coming back to each other, her then disappearing and him spending years grieving for her, which you also see, and that's also really difficult... Yeah, And then him getting her back and having this opportunity to do it all over again and it not working out. Like, talk about the scars of that. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of Frank feelings. I have so many feelings about Frank because if the story had never been about Jamie, if it was just Claire and Frank's relationship, Mm -hmm. Frank would have been enough. Yeah. Frank was a good husband in a very different way than Jamie is a good husband. Yeah. And they had to downplay Frank a tiny bit to make Jamie good. Their boning is not as hot. <laughs> it's not as hot, but it's not bad either. No. I mean, Claire is getting hers. Sure is. He's he's a giving partner. But, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to the get same. past BJR. Yeah, I mean, that's not Frank's fault, though. No, but it is, kind of. <laughs> you know, one interesting interpretation of Claire not wanting Jamie to kill Blackjack too soon because of Frank? hmm Is the interpretation, which I don't know that I believe, but I like it, that she was worried that if Frank died, she would never make it to the Stones. Yeah. And so she wouldn't go back in time and meet Jamie and none of this ever would have happened. I feel like that's like one step too far. I agree like I don't think she was thinking about it at that level of detail. Yeah. But as a third party who does have the time to sit around and think about the function of time travel. Yeah. It is fascinating to think. Right. Like Frank unfortunately and this it is, is where, just
1: a stepping stone.
0: Yeah, and that's where Frank gets shafted.
1: Sure does, but he's also kind of mediocre.
0: I don't think I'd say he's mediocre. There are plenty of other men who would have been mediocre. I think he was, like, a good husband, period. Which is not quite the same as mediocre. I
1: suppose.
0: (laughs) I suppose, yeah.
1: Given the circumstances, yes. She would have had a happy life with him. Until he gave up. Or they gave up together.
0: It would have been, like, a very settled life. Yeah. Which is, like, not her jam, but I think it would have been a happy life.
1: Yeah, but she wanted to touch some dick rock instead, and now here we are. <laughs> and now here we are. Anything else? That's all I have. All right. We definitely earned ourselves an extra
0: omnibus, so you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome, guys. It's gonna be great. Game of Thrones coming at you next week. If you have any thoughts and feelings
1: about things that are important that we missed from outlander you can send us an email with the subject mark me <laughs> to hate watch with us at gmail.com you can also just say mark me on twitter if you feel yep. like it uh to hate watch with us you can leave us a review on the apple Podcasts area place <laughs> That says mark me and give it five stars. That would be amazing. And we would, <laughs> that would say be mark hilarious. me right back. Yeah. You can also find our friends at Thought Bubble Audio who may not get the reference of Mark Me. <laughs> they are available across the internet at Thought Bubble Audio or Thought Bubble FM on Twitter. So find them, listen to them. They're great.
0: They have a bunch of new shows coming out and they also have a Patreon. Sure do. So hit that. Is that everything? I think that's everything. Well, thanks for listening to us ramble. For two hours, which is a new Hate Watch record.
1: Fuck me. I have to edit this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) Well, yeah. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for the episode we promised you.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Fuck off, Daves.
0: Fuck off, Daves.
1: Mark me. Mark me!